Baylor Confidence Podcast. Today we have Amy Katz, PhD, and a co-owner of Baker and DePaul LLC, an executive coaching firm headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. As a social psychologist, Amy has focused her career on organization development in a wide range of settings, but with a particular interest in the opportunity and challenges of leadership. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Christy. So I'm turning the tables on you today. Amy and I first met when she interviewed Flair for her Daughters in Charge, which is an online business designed exclusively for women who work in their family businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm also a wife of a second-generation business owner, so I would love to hear your thoughts on the struggles and the best practices you've learned from your Daughters in Charge. Let's start with um, maybe some of their challenges about being leaders and being confident in those shoes. Sure. Well, the one thing about anyone in the next generation is that they're following another generation. And sometimes it takes a while for them to appreciate their own unique talents, their own unique gifts, which may be quite different from that of their parents or uncles or or others who really founded the business. Mm -hmm. So I find that those women who are able to recognize that joining the, the business is not just an assumption, it's, but it's truly a choice, that it really is something they've thought through, where they understand it's going to be a good fit, and that their parents have thought through. Because when that doesn't happen, and it's just a, oh, of course she'll work in the business, or he'll mm-hmm. work in the business, there's a lack of formality, and sometimes that lack of opportunity to really explore, you know, who am I as an adult, and mm-hmm. to have your parents explore that can be an important step in assuring that that it's going to go well. Well, it probably helps the parents then buy into also supporting that next generation taking over if they've really thought through it themselves. Yeah, I think sometimes parents are shocked. (laughs) The skill set of their children. The skill set of their children. I mean that, you know, often, um, not always, but often the daughter or the son has gone away, has gone to college, and actually in many cases now worked somewhere else. And then they return, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of mind-blowing for parents to watch their children in action. And similarly, um, for children to see their parents in a new way. They may have grown up idealizing their parents, and then, oh, all of a sudden they don't particularly like that parent's management style. Or they start to really struggle with not only who are they as adults, but also who are my parents as real people. And trying to keep it separate, or do they not? Does, is it typically dad is still boss, and they ha- they need to see him as the same person, or do they try to have family dinner and then have work separate? I think different families manage different. that in different ways. True. Some have to set a very clear boundary, and you know, many parents will say, you know, don't don't call me dad at work, or don't mm-hmm. call me mom at work, and it. I find that most of the women I work with with daughters in charge really appreciate that and expect that so that there's a nice clear boundary and that's one of the challenges in the family businesses which is different than working at a Procter and Gamble or any other large yeah, corporation sure I mean yeah. boundaries are important there mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not the same as um, arguing with your dad and then going over on Sunday for dinner and uh, having a lot of feelings stirred up I would think it trickles over yes. quite a bit yes, yes unless does. you really are intentional about that how do they, do you see that um, family businesses maybe serve the community in a different way or spend more time um, giving back more so than large corporations? Or is it across the board, again, just depending on the industry and the people? 
Well, I don't know that I can make a general statement about that because certainly some of the large corporations in Cincinnati have made a huge contribution, as, as have some of the family businesses. I, I do think that some of the uh, research on women in family businesses has emphasized that they are probably more naturally drawn to philanthropic or board roles in the community mm -hmm. because they were raised to think that that's what they would be doing. Mm -hmm. And now they're balancing not only their work life, but their interest in the community, and then sometimes, in some cases, you know, a whole, uh, several children or, sure. you know, just wanting to create a full life when sometimes it's really not possible to do it all. To do it all. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thought, though. I never thought of it as not even a gender issue, but just if that's how you were raised. You know, some people are raised not even more generous, but just more alert of what's going on in the community and trying to duplicate that at work. I was thinking more just as a smaller company, they may be more nimble to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I find some of the smaller companies have a pet uh, project or cause, Sometimes it's very much aligned with what the business does. Sure. So it just looks a little different, though there's certainly some very, some of the larger family businesses here support the arts, support a variety, the United Way, yes. a, a variety of, uh, of community needs. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about some of your clients, um, both with, within both of your businesses and the transitions they've gone through. And can you give us some examples of what they've, how you've been able to help them navigate either divorces, second careers, first careers, buying businesses, selling businesses, whatever it is you've seen? Sure. I, th I think when most people seek executive coaching, they are, they are interested in transition. They are looking for some kind of change, or they're reacting to some kind of change. So I do think, you know, many of us are in transition of some kind. So I like to think that I can be helpful around what are they losing in this transition and then what are they gaining? Because I do think to manage change in an organization or in oneself, there is some kind of a loss. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a chosen loss and sometimes it's imposed. But either way, it's important to honor what has been there in order to move forward. So, I mean, that can be anything from a first job uh, to thinking about retirement mm -hmm. or thinking about joining a business mm -hmm. uh, or thinking about selling one. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly life events intervene, and I find now many of my friends and clients are dealing with caring for parents. Yes. And um, that, in my situation, when my parents needed me, meant I quit my job and I had to be available. So um, I think I think transition is part of life. Uh, in my work, I tend to focus more on how people manage their roles at work um, and transitions there. And in a lot of situations, there are transitions in building mm -hmm. and developing. Yes. Or sometimes it's just thinking about how to create a different role for oneself. And is it the the loss of the identity that you first have to get through to make sure that they're accepting of the new identity or the new role that they're going to be stepping into? The loss can be, um, yes, it can mean if you're changing a job and you may be, know you're ready for something else, but you've developed a community of friends mm -hmm. and contacts and saying goodbye to that 
that whole setting can be challenging, but it's part of growth, it's part of risk, and um, it's part of development. And what I find is keeping in mind that um, a new situation you find yourself in uh, has the potential to be just as gratifying, if not more. But to think that it's always going to be smooth and yippee, I no. left the big business, or yippee, <laughs> I finally got the job of my dreams, is no one has that experience. So I think just understanding those ups and downs that happen with a transition are important. Are there any things that you can help advise our listeners in those times? Like, is it? Um... Yeah, I, 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 I can probably say that, um, and I say this as someone who didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of routines in my life, that establishing routines for oneself, uh, no matter what age you, you do that, uh-huh. can be an important stabilizer. So in my case, uh, several years ago, I just decided to try Pilates, and this was before it was popular. And um, I now go to a place where I can show up whenever I want and take a class, and it's a stabilizer for me. Mm -hmm. And I often think, and I almost said this to the owner the other day, you have no idea what I've been through in the past couple of years and how important my showing up here and going through this practice has meant to me. Mm. And um, so good and bad, I I always think sometimes these women all have lots going on and we're not necessarily talking, but we have that place and that practice as a stabilizer. And isn't that wonderful? Like that, regardless of what owner you say that to, or even like the coffee server that has given you a nice cup of coffee every morning, like... There is such good gratitude to just share with people, like that they really are part of your life. You may not even know their names, you know, but they are part of your day-to-day. I love that. Yeah. That's wonderful. Talk about yourself. I know that you are a past president at the temple. Um, How, tell us about how you've raised your children and bringing service or faith or gratitude into your family. I don't know if you've been to Plum Street Temple downtown, but it's worth Is a it look. beautiful? Yeah. But I walked down that aisle when I was five oh. for a ceremony called Consecration. And I, I was there with the congregation for my bat mitzvah, which was one of the first ones at, at the time that I had it in that particular congregation. And I walked down for various graduations and also for my marriage. So, you know, I think... Um, the faith, I can't separate the idea of the Jewish faith from the idea of Jewish community mm-hmm. because they're intertwined. Absolutely. And uh, so I would say also my father was a rabbi. Okay. So I sort of had it in the water at home. Yes. And my parents were both very active in the temple and in the community. So when I, when I think about my faith, I really think about that whole context of not only ceremony and worship, but also just of a network of friends and a community that I know will support me Absolutely. and that I feel responsible for supporting as well. That's wonderful. I, I feel like so many people are seeking that, mm, regardless yeah. of religion, regardless of faith, and you just sound so grounded in it. And I think that's part of what it is, right? It gives you just that confidence, that stability, that comfort, that it's more than you know, a ding in your car or a bad day or losing a client or, you know, an illness or a sickness. I, I think faith is so important. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think people experience it differently. I, I find sometimes I'll, 
I'll say something, a saying from, from a Jewish text that I barely remember that pops in my head. I'll use it so there's one. Can that, you say it? Yes, it sure. talks about being slow to anger. And that has always meant something to me. And sometimes I'll share that with a client. And just to say, you know, not sure this is helpful, but um, there's a saying that you might want to pay attention to. And what I, I find with clients sometimes, they're telling me that they like to pause. Mm -hmm. They like to reflect. They're trying to manage the turmoil they might feel. So, again, you know, people experience their faith and, and heritage in different ways. So I, uh, I'm always surprised when I find it kind of popping out in a professional situation. But I think that's nice too. Like there's something internal that gave you that intuition to say it. And I'm sure that person appreciated it. Even if they don't follow your faith, it's still... Well, and sometimes they'll come up with a, with a different thing from their heritage that says the same thing. Yes. And that just helps reinforce how connected we all exactly. are. Exactly. Exactly. That's terrific. Talk about being leaders being their authentic self. Why is that important? regardless if you're in business, if you're in middle management, if you're starting off in your career? You know, I've thought about authenticity a lot <laughs> and um, because it's certainly a new word and it's an interesting word now being used in conjunction with the idea of executive presence. And I think when people hear executive presence, they somehow imagine always being in charge of themselves and being unflappable in some way. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think for... For leaders, authenticity is really unlearning that guard of leadership, that shield that everybody thinks they're supposed to have, and just the capacity to, to treat people as you would anywhere. And to recognize, you have to be mindful, of course, that you're in the spotlight, that people pay attention to you at work in ways you would never imagine, but to try to let that go. Yeah. and be truly in the moment with people. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Um, so I think, you know, if we were all our true, authentic selves, we, we might not be too happy with ourselves, nor would people be with us. <laughs> um, but I think it's really being genuine, trying to... And, and I think sometimes the capacity to, to have doubt. Mm -hmm. I think so often leaders think they're never supposed to show their their anxieties, their concerns, their vulnerabilities. But a doubt about something can open the door for other people to doubt as well, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. question, and to be their authentic selves. Because I think that's the real trick, is as a leader, if you can Bring allow other others. people to be themselves, then you're mm -hmm. getting a much more varied and deep and thoughtful look at a situation. Absolutely. And I feel like being authentic also means just being the same person everywhere. So you can't be different when you're on the civic stage versus the business stage versus in the grocery store. You have to always be that same person. So if you're trying to keep yourself in check, it's exhausting, right? Absolutely. So if you can be yourself, people but, are going to appreciate that and it's going to make it easier for you. Yes, but I, I am a social psychologist and one of the key things and one of the hallmarks is looking at roles. So um, while we have a sense of ourselves, hopefully, and that we develop, whether it's our values or the, a particular way of looking at the world, a professional role, a community role, and a parenting role can all bring out different sides of ourselves. 
hopefully those are positive sides mm -hmm. and we can surprise ourselves with how we handle something. But often um, we're surprised in ways that don't make us so happy. And I think that's where you find opportunities for growth. So much as I believe in who I am as an authentic human being, I, I also think that, um, that there are times when I learn from the ways I surprise myself, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Any ways to self, do some of that self-discovery that have been successful in the past? You know, I've been thinking lately about um, paying attention to what I complain about. Okay. <laughs> Just, or that other people complain yeah. about. And, and as almost a signal, what am, I, what am I struggling with now? What am I frustrated by uh, that I perhaps was never frustrated mm -hmm. about before? And it could be um, a growth opportunity. It could be a transition opportunity. Yeah. And it, it could be that I'm wanting to say no to something. So um, I think that self-discovery comes in, in sometimes just, I, I like to think of it more as paying attention to surprises. I love that. So, I think that's a great way to sum that up. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's... it's uh, I'm redoing my kitchen now, and I have felt completely out of sync with myself as I follow the designer around. <laughs> she'll talk, and you, I mean, I never heard of a backsplash this <laughs> experience, but now as the weeks have gone by and as I've made certain choices, and, um, and I'm sort of seeing, she recommended, but I chose. Uh-huh. I've been surprised. I like my choices. That's great. And I have never envisioned myself as a designer in any particular uh -huh. way. So sometimes I think taking that risk and seeing, well, what if I try that um, can work out quite well. Of course, sometimes it doesn't work out so well. But Fortunately, so you can tear it out if it's terrible exactly. and redo it a second time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I love that. I love that summing up, um, just listening. I think that's a great takeaway. Anything else you'd like to share with us today, Amy? You know, I'm thinking about, um, I've thought a lot about confidence, um, particularly in thinking about our conversation today. And the one thing that I thought about is how important friends have been to me. And I... I You're speaking my language. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, um, I adore my friends, and I particularly enjoy friends who push me and who allow me to push them. So that support is a wonderful thing, but also having someone who knows you well and can see your potential or see your blind spots can be uh, a wonderful experience. And, and sometimes, did not expect this, but when uh, I started to work at Baker & DeBall with my business partner, who comes from a very different background, um, and I have found he's become one of my closest mm. friends, and hopefully I have become one of his. Sure. Yeah. Despite our differences in, in many ways, um, I find he's a great support. He'll, he makes me laugh. Um, so I think in a professional setting, you can find friends um, in a family, obviously, but in a community, mm -hmm. that can be a huge source of confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And even in those transient times, in those transition times, to always have someone, even if they're a phone call away, 
just to be able to comfort you through those times. I agree. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today, Amy. I'm so glad I turned the tables on you. It's such a joy to spend time with you. If you would like to reach Amy, you can find her at www.bakerdeball.com or at daughtersincharge.com. And for our Flair listeners, please take a look at flairconfidence.com for some articles, consulting services that will inspire your business. And make sure to come back and tune in with us in a couple weeks when we have Dr. Lisa Larkin. She will be here telling us how what sparked her passion for building her expertise in women's health.